0: Never, ever marks the spot. I am altering the deep. Pray I don't offer it any further. Welcome to this week's episode of the Top 5 Report, the podcast that wonders how NASA can see a planet billions of miles away and we still can't get Wi-Fi in the basement. My name is Drew. I'll be your host for the evening. Along with me, as always, is my brother Peter. Here. Hey, man. What's up? <laughs> do you When we do the show, are you in your basement or are you, like, in the attic or... like? <laughs> No, no,
1: I'm, uh, okay. I'm actually on the upper level of my house, so. <laughs> okay.
0: Why, why do you ask? Just, just, we always, we, I mean, sometimes you're, the Wi-Fi flickers, and sometimes it's perfect, so started thought ask. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, at any rate, man, how are you? How was your week? Um,
1: pretty good. Yeah. No, <laughs> pretty busy, nothing too crazy going on, though.
0: How about you? Um... Busy enough that I didn't watch as much as I wanted to, but okay. that's okay, um, but that's all right, um, and since I said that, you want to talk watching and reading? Um, yeah, absolutely. I guess before <laughs> I say jump into it, I can say that there's a trailer we watched because it kind of broke the internet, in my opinion, and um, I'm caught up on Moon Knight. Oh, yeah, yeah, Same, same here. Okay, perfect. Okay, so perfect. I'm, so we'll we'll touch base. We'll put those at the end of yours, beginning of mine. So what else did you watch?
1: Um, yeah, so I've watched Moon Knight, um, and uh, same as last week, I've still mostly just been watching Ink Master on Netflix, but okay. <laughs> I've almost burned through all of the seasons that are on there, so uh, I'm about done with that. Uh, the only other thing I watched is, um, just so everybody knows in case they don't yet, the Batman is now uh, streaming on HBO Max, so uh, I've watched through that um, w- only once so far, but uh, it's just really cool to have that right at your fingertips.
0: And, okay, uh, so that's your second viewing of the film, though.
1: Yes, yes, exactly. Okay. And um, what I can say is I still love this film and the tone and execution of the movie was just am- is just amazing. But man, it is a long film. <laughs> When, when, watching it at home on the comfort of my own couch, uh, the one time I did watch it, I was having a hard time staying awake just because of the length and that just, you know, it is, it is great, but it's just, it's super lengthy. It almost feels more like a, uh, TV show or a mini series almost than a movie, sure. but there's nothing wrong with that as well, because it's just more Batman for us to enjoy. <laughs> so, um, right and that's, you know,
0: ultimately we just always want more Batman. <laughs> Um, absolutely i would yeah so your opinion of the movie hasn't really changed other than the fact that you felt the length
1: i'm i'm noticing little tidbits like there's little aspects of the music and stuff that i'm noticing more you know on repeat viewings um some of the it's mostly musical stuff actually like uh because the score of this movie is like pretty subtle it's not the most uh it's, you know, it's not filled with, like, a lot, a lot of melodic, like, fanfare and stuff. It's actually, like, really subtle and, like, kind of, like, really dim and dingy feeling. Um, but, yeah, that's dark mostly what on- I've noticed. On- is Dark like, and ominous tones, if you will. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> and I don't mean that in a bad way at all, but just I was noticing, um, I'm trying to remember what part of it. It might have been one of the parts where uh, they're trying to solve one of... Uh, the Riddler's Riddles, where uh, it was like one of those things where every like new discovery that was made for this one riddle, you would notice in the music they kind of had sound effects to like accentuate that. And it's just like little bits like that that I'm noticing where um, like I still think it's great and super subtle, but then some of the music I'm just like, wow, it's kind of like a little bit more on the nose than I remember it being at the same time, if that makes sense. So, um, yeah, I don't really know how to put it into words and I feel like I don't have any super profound new <laughs> discoveries with this most recent viewing, but, uh, I don't know. Have you had a chance to watch it yet at all?
0: Unfortunately, no. Cause I knew it was dropping and like my week, like that's where like the week got busy and I was like, no, that's OK. Um, it's, it's, there, <laughs> yeah. it's there to watch. Um, I can't wait to watch it again and maybe again and again. Um, I just I'm really curious. Remember what I said about our initial review is how they made Gotham City feel like a character and Gotham City felt yeah. pretty much a part of it. I'm really that's something aside from like paying attention to the city a little bit more on another rewatch. I'm really anxious to see how that plays As we expound the universe, because, you know, when you when you look at Batman Begins and you're like, wow, that was a very earnest, real take. And then you go watch The Dark Knight and you're like, oh, this is what happens when your universe is in place. So we got our new take of the Batman. I can't wait to see what happens now that we have the universe in place. You know what I mean? So I'm really kind of curious to see how that translates as we move forward. Um, so that's kind of something I want to pay attention to a little bit more on the next viewing. So.
1: Yeah, yeah, anyway. absolutely. I, I agree with you there. And actually, before you even said it, I was kind of thinking about just how we've talked about it before, but just how visceral and just like, I don't know, all the scenes where they really accentuate uh, the look and the feel of Gotham in this new movie you just feel like you're there. And um like I don't know, it's just one you just can feel the locations of this film a lot uh a lot more than any other Batman movie I I think. And uh it's it's really hard to put it into words, but it just I don't know, it's just super visceral. They really pulled off something amazing with how they portrayed Gotham in this movie, but um but, yeah, um, for me, it's really just that and uh, Moon Knight. <laughs> so I didn't know if you had any, uh, anything else you wanted to talk touch on or anything like uh, that. Let's,
0: let's talk about Moon Knight in the trailer, and then that'll kick me into my other thing that I watched, and we'll go from there. Um, so, yeah, Moon Knight. I'm caught up. Um, this most recent episode, The Tomb. Um, yeah. Fantastic. Um, I feel like... Like Oscar Isaac is amazing. Like what he's doing with this split personality stuff is so much fun to watch. He he is literally like, I mean, it really shows his range as an actor. Um, and I'm really enjoying all the Egyptology stuff. Uh, it's it it was always there in the comics, but Egyptology is something I think is really fascinating in general. So I'm just really enjoying it in a general sense. Um, I will say, um, and I I really like the way the episode ended with the hippo. Um, I'm not like, I'm very like, and that's the thing, like my moon night is novice at best. My new moon night knowledge is novice at best. I right. got basics. He was a he's been a, like a supporting character and other stuff. Um, I always thought he was cool. I've read a little bit into his solo books, not enough. So when the hippo appeared, I was like, what? And then they rolled credits. Um, <laughs> uh, I do want to do a quick Easter egg back because, um, I was really sleepy when I watched the previous episode I stayed okay. with it I stayed with it I know everything I saw I really enjoyed the episode but I kind of went back and did a like a rewatch, of like maybe the last half just to be safe um in terms of like going into this new episode um and uh so just because I was like okay I remember all this I remember all this and now it was like okay this is where I started getting fuzzy um rewatch that second half and um they I want to, to point out a quick Easter egg. They mentioned Madripoor in dialogue mm-hmm. and that has me interested because Madripoor is the last place we saw Sharon Carter. And there was rumor that Sharon Carter was supposed to be in Moon Knight. So. Yeah. Okay. I thought that was a cool connection. I don't know. It could be straight spoiler that what I just said could be a spoiler, but at the same time, it also could be me just picking up on something. So thought I'd bring that up. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely a good thing to, uh, but yeah, otherwise, otherwise this episode was so much fun with all the archeology span tomb diving and you know, that kind of thing. So what are your thoughts?
1: Oh, absolutely. I loved the, um, the tomb diving and, um, I don't know the uh, the creatures that they were fighting against. Like I don't know if they're considered mummies or what exactly um, yeah. the definition of that is and stuff. But it was all awesome. Um, as soon as... And we're getting into spoiler territory. But as soon
0: as... Uh, Look, if you're listening to the show, you better be <laughs> caught up with like the Marvel shows and the Star Wars shows. Because we're going to spoil them as we go. Mm-hmm. So. Um, but as soon as Moon
1: Knight or Mark, if you want to go... With that description, as soon as he got shot and uh, he woke up in this weird—I don't know if it's a dream state or if it's a weird section of the afterlife or whatever—he woke up in. Um, that was when the show got weird, and uh, I'm really <laughs> intrigued to know where we're gonna go next. Um, but it was one of those things. Once that sequence started, I got really nervous that they were gonna sit. They were gonna go the route of like. He's been in a mental institution this whole time, and um, Oh and like everything leading up to this point was all just a vision in his head. Like I was going to be so disappointed if that's the route that they took, but it doesn't seem to be that way at all. Um, I also think it's really interesting. I did feel that, that
0: way. I, I did feel that way, so I hear your pain, and I was happy yeah. <laughs> that they didn't go that way. So.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, and um, I mean, Drew, I don't know if you know, like. Like, is he in like a weird like purgatory sort of scenario now? Or I'm not really sure where he is, but I thought it was interesting that uh, both uh, Stephen and Mark appear as like separate bodies or like separate souls, if you will, and stuff. And it makes me. I'm curious how they're going to explain this all, because I don't know if they're confirming that Stephen and Mark are both actually separate entities, because I almost felt like I was starting to lean, before this episode, I was starting to lean towards the idea that Steven was a um, alternate personality that Mark created to try to escape from Kanshu, if that makes sense. Right. Uh, and I am i don't really know where they're headed, but I'm really curious. But uh, yeah, what are your thoughts on uh, that? I was
0: just going <laughs> to say, I'm totally with you on that. And like I said, the Moon Knight I've read has been limited just because i haven't read too deep into the character um, yeah i've read enough to be able to follow the shit i've I read enough going so going into the show i knew what i was getting myself into and i was happily along for the ride um the moon knight that i've read is vastly different than what we're getting and that's only because this is where marvel mcu territory has kind of created its own canon if you will um, yeah like I said, they follow the comic books up to, up to a point and they're giving us what we want. But at the same time, they're kind of doing their own thing on certain stuff. Like when we started Endgame and everyone was some people were asking me about it because, you know, we we saw how Infinity War played out. And they're like, oh, my gosh, like you read the comics more than I do. What do you what do you think that's going to happen in Endgame? What's your predictions I'm like? I don't know the foggiest clue because they're kind <laughs> of Infinity War was so vastly different than the comics. I was like. I I just don't know. I'm kind of along for the ride with everybody else. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So and that's kind of where I'm at in my opinion right now with Moon Knight I and mean, I'm just I'm enjoying being along for the ride right now. Um Absolutely. We got we got stuff coming down the pipe that we know is coming that has me excited. Um that I know a lot more of because I read comics, but right now I'm enjoying being along for the ride. So
1: Right on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I um, totally agree
0: with you there. So Okay. We also watched the Thor trailer. Um, Yes, this broke the Internet in the sense that when it landed, there was nothing on the Internet but the Thor trailer. Now, I know that uh, we all follow different things. So if you didn't see the Thor trailer, you're clearly following all the wrong feeds because every like second post, like I was scrolling through Instagram. It was like every two posts was the Thor trailer. And same with my Twitter feed. I was like, holy cow. (laughs) Um, So uh, my initial thoughts on the Thor trailer is Thor's losing weight. He's on retirement, getting <laughs> getting bored, getting some exercise, just trying to live his life and enjoy. Get back to the sweeter times of just hanging out. Um, and uh, it looks cool. Like, okay. and we see our first shot of Lady Thor, and otherwise, you're just like, it looks like they're basically sticking with the themes. And the feel of Ragnarok and picking up where this is where Thor is after Endgame. Here we go. You know what I mean? Like, the trailer was very, I think, underwhelming because it gave me everything I was expecting to see, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Yeah. But we got to see the Guardians, so we know about the—at least they're in the movie and there's a split and all that stuff. And there's some funny one-liners in the trailer. But there was nothing that made me go, you—it's kind of like— we saw the trailer for Doctor Strange, and I was like, I knew I was there, but oh my god, I am there. And the Thor trailer, I'm totally there, but there was nothing that gave me that kind of feeling, like the the way the Doctor Strange did. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Um, like, serious stuff is going down in Doctor Strange, and Thor is like, okay, here we are. It's the next Thor movie. And serious <laughs> stuff is going down, but that's kind of – does that – am I making but, sense? Kind of, but I kind of am left with a question
1: like, is serious stuff going down? Because there was a level of conflict that I feel like is completely absent from this trailer where like, sure. yeah, we're seeing that Thor is kind of going his own way and trying to find himself and stuff. But like, I feel like there needed to be some level of a threat present to make you go like, oh, I have to see this, you know, because like. You watch the Doctor Strange trailers and there's just so much crazy multiverse stuff. And it's just like, man, it looks like the MCU's in such a pickle in this movie. I really need to see how this all works yeah. out. And this Thor trailer, it's like, you're right, like it looks cool, like it looks like it's going to be a fun sci-fi adventure. But there's a level of like conflict that I feel like is kind of missing there that I wish was there. Um, I also sa- w- want to say, like, and this is kind of more of a personal nitpick, but I'm, I am don't know if I'm the biggest fan of, like, the whole, like, superhero abandoning their post and going to just go, like, find themselves. Like, I kind of, I don't like that as much because I guess I kind of like to, uh, I like to look up to my superheroes. Like, I kind of want them to be, like, this sort of, like, force of good to, like, look up to and try to emulate, and when it comes, even in, like, Superman Returns, like, the idea that Superman, like, went out to space to, like, ponder his existence for 20 years or whatever uh, previous to that movie, like, I don't know if I'm the biggest fan of that, but that's kind of more of my personal thing, and, like, I'm still going to be there for this movie, but at the same time, I... I think this trailer is good because it doesn't show too much, but it's also like, I wish there was just a little bit more for me to go like, Oh, I have to see this. You know what I mean?
0: I don't know if you know where I'm coming from at all with no, any of those criticisms. I but. am totally with you and what you're saying. What I'm going to point out is the fact that I don't think Thor is necessarily going, I don't want to be a hero anymore. So much as he's like, some stuff went down and see, I need a quick breather. And I need to get back, I need to do my Rocky, get back into shape kind of thing. <laughs>
1: so. See, and I, I can appreciate that. I just, like, in the trailer, he does say my days of being a superhero are over. And that, it's just stuff like that where it's, it's not like there's anything wrong with his character, like, not being a superhero, but it's not yeah. what I want to see from him. Yeah. You know what I mean? But sure. Gotcha. It's also like, we'll see how this plays out. I'm not going to not see it. I don't think it looks bad. It's just kind of... I don't know if I'm sold on that specific aspect of it. But otherwise, I do think it looks cool. And uh, I am looking forward to it. It's just... Yeah, that's just the little bit that I'm not sure how it sits with me. So yep. <laughs> there, oh, you, there I, you
0: go. <laughs> I totally get it. Um, all right. So what else did I watch? I watched Death on the Nile. Um, oh, how was that? So did you see... Uh, murder on the orient express no okay uh, <laughs> and well, i've Mur- heard
1: very mixed reviews to be honest
0: all right so murder on the orient express and death on the nile are part of the same series they're both older movies like classics that were remade yeah recently. Uh, so it follows the same detective i don't want to say that they're sequels to each other the only play that makes this a, death of the nile a sequel to murder on the orient express is that it's the same detective and that is it Okay. Um, so it's literally the detective, and you're going, "Oh, I want to see more of this detective." And then they have this other movie you can go watch, which is completely isolated by itself, it has nothing to do with the other one except for the, except for the detective. Mm-hmm. Um. I liked Death on the Nile much more than I liked, um, Orient Express. And oh, cool. Orient Express to me, my my big criticism is that I felt it had pacing issues. Um, but. This one I felt was like – I don't want to say a roller coaster, but it was just – I felt it was more interesting to watch. Uh, okay. The story was more interesting. The characters, in my opinion, were more interesting. Uh, the murder itself was a little more interesting. Um, the 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 bottle episode that it kind of is because, like, Orient Express, they're, they're on a train and he's, like, trying to figure out the murder and someone on the train is clearly involved. Well, this is a uh, riverboat on the Nile. And Mm -hmm. um, someone on the riverboat is the murderer and trying to figure it out and piece it all together. It's I just found it more entertaining. So,
1: OK, yeah. Can I ask because I'm somebody who hasn't seen either of these movies yet. And um, like it's one of those things where I actually do like murder mysteries a lot. Like I didn't. It's kind of more like in recent years, I just have been realizing I really love mysteries. So I actually kind of want to watch this, um, especially after hearing your description. But is this one of those things where if I watch uh, Death on the Nile first, it's going to ruin Murder on the Orient Express for me? Like because it's that much better. Like I'll just go to watch uh, uh, Murder on the Orient Express and just feel like it's kind of lackluster after watching death the only, on the nile
0: the only way i would think that this would ruin orient express is i just think it's a better made film okay that's it. that's it um and it's not better made in terms of better directed or cinematography or stuff like that i just think the story is better that's all
1: yeah um would you, would you definitely... recommend starting with murder on the orient express
0: or is it just kind of start not with whichever one you want <laughs> not necessarily because they're so independent there's they're so independent from each other yeah. from that detective that you could probably hop okay. in and start watching it's like i said it's it doesn't feel linear in a sense it just feels like hey let's tell another story with this guy um so yeah the only thing that bugs me a little bit is you have to it, they're both period pieces so the detective work is not the same as detective work today where you know, the issue of forensics and fingerprints and yeah, DNA and all that stuff. This is a thing where you literally have to go straight on the clues. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. <laughs> and that is what you get. So sometimes that's more interesting, though, um, not
1: yep. necessarily from the forensic as- aspect, but I don't know, sometimes newer movies like it's too easy to get from point A to point B when like people can just Google things on their phone and stuff like that, as opposed to having to like go to a library and search through like microfiches and stuff like the hunt is a lot easier nowadays for certain things. And I don't know that it always lends to better storytelling, if that makes sense. So, um, but yeah, sounds cool. I'll definitely
0: have to check this one out. (laughs) Yeah, And then um, I watched the first episode of Halo. Oh, OK, cool.
1: So wow. now I want to know what your thoughts are, because that's that's all I've watched so far as well.
0: <laughs> OK, I have this is a very mixed opinion. And yes. like I said, this is the only the first episode that I've seen. Um, visually, awesome. Action, right. awesome. No argument there. The armor looks great. The weapons look great. Uh, your issue about the trucks being like Chevy Tahoe's, if you look at the trucks and the Jeeps or whatever in the show and compare them to the games like Halo Reach and stuff like that, you're going to see the same cars. So even though the right. front of the truck had like a Chevy Tahoe kind of a look, the back end does not, and it matches the vehicle on the screen when you play the game. Okay. So, so in terms of like spotting it, I see what you're talking about. However... I also know the game well enough to go that didn't take me out of the story. So
1: to be fair, this isn't the Chevy Tahoe complaint wasn't necessarily a big complaint from my side of things. But somebody I was talking to about the show pointed that out. So I just thought it was interesting and kind of funny to think about. But uh, no, keep going.
0: (laughs) Um, The Master Chief voice, I voiced my concerns about it. I will not I cannot get over it at all right like i'm sorry if his helmet's on it should be steve downs it really should period um it's it's real it's it's so it's very very jarring and takes like it's just like you're just like that's not the chief i mean everything else about him is the chief except for that and it's really hard to stomach um and i feel like it's a petty, i feel like it's a petty i feel like it's a petty complaint but it's it's just it's it's a it was a cop-out excuse in my opinion but that's okay I think
1: it's a petty complaint, but it's also like it's it kind of shows that the people running the show aren't approaching it the way that a fan would necessarily. So I think it does. I think it is evident to maybe some underlying issues with the series. Um, and I'm not trying to hate on it.
0: Like I've liked what oh, I've yeah. seen
1: so far, but I don't think it's a bad thing to point out is all yeah. I'm saying.
0: Um, The Master Chief's face. He pulled off his helmet for the first time. We've got to see what the Master Chief looks like. Um, not a problem. Um, however, they're they're very clearly loosely basing the it's very clearly loosely based off of um, the games and the books. It's kind of creating its own timeline. Right. And I'm OK with that. But they're very clearly stated in the novels how the what the Master Chief looks like. And I was expecting a shaved head. I was expecting a clean shaven face. Um, so. I, you know, having a master chief with hair kind of threw me off of it, even though it was like a, (laughs) like shaved, like, like they always, they talk about that, like complete clean shaven, um, uh, shaved head, shaved face, all that stuff. Like I was, that's what I was expecting. And I was like, oh, okay. Not what I was expecting, but that's all right. And as an actor, he's fine. I just, you know, just in terms of the look of the master chief, it's like, well, now you're reinventing this wheel too. Um, (laughs) The storyline is very confusing to a fan of the franchise to figure out where in the world this falls in the timeline. Okay. Um, it, I know they're creating their own timeline, so I'm going to let that go a little bit. But it clearly happens before the fall of Reach. But the Covenant are involved. Like you have the Insurrectionist War, and they already are fighting the Covenant. Well, the first interaction with the Covenant was during the fall of Reach. <laughs> so you're just kind of like, where does this fall? Fit, And <laughs> I found that very confusing in my opinion. I also found um, the artifact that they find on the planet is um, it's Forerunner based. It's linked to the chief in a way because he's the Reclaimer or humans in general are Reclaimers. Um, and if you're watching the show, you'll learn more about it, Reclaimers. But learning the connections are already happening at an, in my opinion, an odd time because you know when you when you look at the timeline of this of the of the game you're dealing with the covenant war first before you ever find the halos and i know they're trying to jump you into the forerunner tech first because the show is called halo but um i feel like i just feel like there was a better way to do it i don't know i don't know and i don't really have the answers but that's i really enjoyed the episode i had a lot of fun watching it it brought me into that sci-fi man it's just this is the perfect time for, like, a sci-fi show because, in my opinion, there's not enough stuff set in space. But right. but this is just nitpicky stuff because I'm such a fan of the games and I've spent so much time playing them that I know the story so deeply. And I know the, like, like I know what the weapon sounds like. I know what the weapon, like, it, I know what it looks like. I know what it sounds like. I know the sound effects for the reloading. I know the sound effects for the like so well that when his like shields recharges, like the the warning that his shields were going down and then he ducks behind the thing and you hear the woo as the shields recharge. You're just like, yes, you nailed that, you know. So, yeah, uh, when they showed the first person view, which I was kind of like, you didn't need to do that. But you saw the HUD, like the classic Halo HUD, you know, from the games and stuff. So I I don't know. That's just nice. I th- initial reaction to the first episode
1: i can say i think they did handle the first person point of view pretty tastefully like they didn't go full like uh the original doom movie on this where they had like a multi-minute sequence of first person shooter stuff but i think they had a couple shots in there and it did seem to be handled pretty tastefully without like rubbing your face and do like, get it, get it. This is based off a video game. (laughs) You know what I mean? But um, I feel like, um, I mean, you're going to have like much deeper criticisms and comments based on like the halo lore and stuff than I am drew. But I feel like you're kind of at the same spot as I am with this show where it's like, it's pretty good. Certain things are handled. (laughs) Great. Certain things could be handled better. Like it's, Definitely worth watching, but it's in, in a perfect world, it probably could be better than what we got. But it's also pretty good as well, if that makes sense. Yeah.
0: No, I hear you. I hear you. But, yeah, that's everything I watched this week. Um, and we went okay. way long on watching and reading. So <laughs> let's, let's backtrack and catch up with the news. Okay. Um, some quick stuff. Let's hit some quick stuff. First off. Uh, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse is delayed until June 2023. Wow. It's it to come out in October. They're pushing it back to June. What's really funny, uh, oh, and part two now has a March 29, uh, 2024 release. What's funny about this, in my opinion, is that 2023, 2024 sounds so far away, and it's like next year. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah.
1: Yeah, but it is crazy they're pushing it back, but, um, yeah, we'll see how it goes. I just, I don't know. The first one had so many, I don't know, like, uh, the song choices and stuff in that movie felt so, like, in the moment that I kind of feel like, you know, release that thing as soon as possible, you know? But I, I mean, I don't know. You can't complain that they're going to give us another good thing. We're just going to have to wait a little longer, I guess.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and the Furious 10 um, released their logo and, uh, they begin filming. Not, right. not really news necessarily, but I was kind of like, oh, okay. I thought they were like already like long into filming on that one already, but that's, that's fine. We're <laughs> getting Fast and Furious 10 and 11. Um, Okay um star wars Wait, they did they did release their logo though you just said right yep it's basically uh it says fast and it's got a big x behind it
1: <laughs> oh okay because everybody wants it to be fast 10 your seat belts but uh it yeah. doesn't sound like they're going with that unfortunately <laughs> not at all
0: okay um netflix this is interesting netflix is serious about password sharing crackdown. Uh, the 2022 Q1 numbers are in, and Net- Netflix has lost 200,000 subscribers in the first quarter. If there was ever any doubt the streaming platform would follow through with its plans to cut down on inner household password sharing, that is over. This time, Netflix is getting money involved, and the streaming platform is going to boot infringing profiles off the main account. Instead, it will just make the account uh, holder pay uh, pay up. So instead of booting, uh, like, your if you have – People like using your password. It sounds like your uh, (laughs) prices are going to increase. This is interesting. That's just interesting for people who are. um, Password sharing Netflix shares plummeted three point one percent to its lowest point since 2018 following yesterday's report earnings report. It's the biggest one. It's the biggest one day drop in Netflix history. It was a total of fifty four point three billion dollars. Um, after that $200,000 subscriber loss, uh, mm-hmm. which is crazy. Um, yeah, and there's stuff coming. Netflix has stuff coming that I'm really anxious to see. So, I, yeah, I just I hope that I hope that it doesn't stop them from going, crap. We're not going to be able to start. You know, what are they going to do to being able to bring the content, if you will?
1: Yeah, I keep hearing about this Netflix stock drop, and I'm not really sure. What even the underlying reasons are, um, and I keep hearing that the looming threat of like, you know, password sharers are going to lose their accounts, and it sounds like they're not anymore. But then I also worry about the, uh, you know, are they going to warn the account holders that their uh, Netflix bill is going to go up, <laughs>
0: like yeah, you yeah. know,
1: tens of dollars, you know, next month? You know, some people might be caught by surprise you know, caught by surprise with that and that might yeah. not go over super well either.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um okay, Johnny Depp and Amber Heard are in the middle of a crazy divorce court case situation with uh, yeah. allegations of uh, abuse. Um during the uh during the trial, uh during an ongoing defamation case against ex-wife Johnny Depp um, ex-wife, Johnny Depp says the next Pirates of the Caribbean is in dangle mode, meaning there is no active work being made on the film. He confirmed nothing on this earth would get him to come back to the Disney and work on another. Um, wow. Johnny Depp will never return to Pirates of the Caribbean as Captain Jack Sparrow. Um, I don't know. Um, I'm trying to read a little bit into this, but I don't 100% know if that's because Disney is no longer going to work with him or if he's out. But if it's If he is at fault of the abuse, Disney's probably like never again Um, because they'd be the first to go. Nope, we're backing away from that. Um, That's really sad, but at the same time, I don't know if we need – if they were to do another Pirates movie, I don't know if we need Johnny Depp at this point. Like I feel like we need to go in another direction. It's nice to know that Captain Jack is out in the world somewhere and has disappeared into the ethos of the universe, but we don't – I don't think we necessarily need it. Um, I'd like to just see another story in the universe for sure, but I don't know if you have any thoughts on that it's it's sad and it's sad that it's the case, uh, but I'm not you know I'm not watching the case super closely. I'm kind of looking at it going, okay, um what's the fallout happening here? So
1: that's kind of how I'm approaching it as well. like I haven't been following this like super well. Um, I guess it's kind of it hasn't piqued my interest super well just because I don't know it's one of those things like, I, I'm just not getting super caught up in yeah. the court case like everybody else is. But as far as the Pirates movies go, first of all, Johnny Depp is Captain Jack Sparrow. There's no way that if Disney tries to do a reboot of uh, Pirates of the Caribbean and cast somebody else, it's just not going to work. Um, yeah, it's one think, of those. I don't um,
0: think that's the case, but I hear. Yeah.
1: You. Um, and it's it's one of those things where I kind of feel like. I don't know. The last couple Pirates or movies I've had kind of a hard time getting into, and I kind of feel like I almost, in an ideally, I feel like they should just wait a couple years and then maybe just reboot the whole thing, or keep it in the same universe but just go with a completely new cast of characters for a couple new films. Because I feel like that movie series is due for like some kind of a change up. So this might be a blessing in disguise, but um, yeah, that's pretty much
0: my thoughts. <laughs> yeah. Agreed. Okay. Um, let's talk about DC for a little bit. Cause last week we talked about Ann Sarnoff being booted. Um, and then she, well, I, I don't want to say booted. She resigned, but I have a feeling it was a forced resignation. Uh, with the discovery plus takeover. Yeah. Uh, Warner brothers discovery is exploring an overhaul of DC entertainment After the merger, Warner Brothers and Discovery closed. Signs are pointing towards a more coherent, creative brand strategy for D.C. This goes further into several things. First off, um, new D.C. owners want major overhaul, more movies like The Joker and and a Kevin Feige-like figure. Uh, with, With Discovery, Warner Media, $43 billion deal closed. CEO David Zaslav is looking to overhaul DC and revitalize the brand for a new era. OK, these are just some quotes and things that I'm popping up. For example, new DC owners reportedly believe Superman has been left to languish in the DCEU. Insiders claim that David Zaslav, the CEO of the recently merged Warner Discovery, believes many DC characters like Superman need to be revitalized after being underutilized for so right. long, um, which that's really good to hear. Um, and then the other part of this is, um, oh, that's a, I'll get to that in a second, but that's like, they're, we're talking like big overhauls here, man. Um, yeah. um and it's good to know that they want to do that. Uh, do you have any thoughts there? I'm thinking with this new merger, we're going to see a lot of, um, A
1: lot of the sort of like announced films we've been talking about, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of that stuff gets scrapped. Like, I don't know if we'll ever actually see that Wonder Twins movie get made. and
0: stuff. Oh, (laughs) but at the same time, hold on, hold on. on. (laughs) Oh, is there more more news on that? Oh, yes. Uh, The Wonder Twins casting has been announced. Oh, Um, okay. K.J. Appa from Riverdale, who plays Archie. Will be yeah, one, I, I recognize that name. <laughs> will be one of the Wonder Twins. And <laughs> okay. the other one is played by Isabel May. And if you um, don't know who she is just yet, um, if you watch the show Young Sheldon, she played Veronica, um, Sheldon's brother, um, little girlfriend at high school. So Isabel May and KJ Apa will be set to star in the live action superhero, the Wonder Twins for HBO Max. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So well, someone said that, and I was like, I got the
1: cast right here. <laughs> well, so I mentioned the Wonder Twins just because it was kind of uh, low-hanging fruit that would be good for, like, uh, offhanded comment. But I guess, like, what I was saying is, like, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of these DC projects either are majorly overhauled or if they get scrapped. But the idea of having some sort of a Kevin Feige sort of character and maybe a little bit more cohesiveness to brought to the DC movies. I feel like that would be good overall. I feel like that's something we've talked on the show about plenty of times that like all the stuff, all the stuff DC's releasing and has been releasing has been awesome, but we just kind of don't understand the direction that they're going or if you there is one, you know,
0: and you don't understand what the studios attempt, what they were trying to do. Yeah. You know, I believe the studio with Justice League wanted to try and make a Marvel movie. I think they were like, this should be like the Avengers make that. And that's why. And that's what Josh Whedon was directed to do. And that's why Justice League got messed up. D.C. needs to have people on the entertainment on the studio side saying we are not Marvel because you're not. Yep. Marvel has created a machine and they've created a precedent, but no one's going to be Marvel do your own thing, but have some. Make sure we understand what it is you're doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. So we can follow and go. Okay, I'm with you. Let's next one. What's next? Okay, I see where you're going with that. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Um, in the realm of what's going on in the DC thing, um, Ezra Miller has been arrested again. Um, yep. He's been arrested again for assault, throwing a chair uh, at a 26-year-old female and hitting her in the forehead after an outrage in a restaurant. Um, he has been arrested, I believe, three times now within the matter of like a few weeks. So right. I really don't know what that means for the future of The Flash. I'm very interested to see the movie, but I don't know what that means for the future. Um it does make me think, why don't we have this crazy, like, dimensional rift happen, and then the new Flash is actually Grant Gustin. <laughs> he yeah, hey, why be, not? <laughs> <laughs> but he might be burned out. You never know. He's been doing the Flash for, like, ten years now. So, yeah. I do It um, is
1: one of those things that I'm just, like, I pray that he... I don't know if he needs to check into rehab or whatever it is, but, like, I want him to just calm down and let the flash come out so we can enjoy it because i feel like he's on this track where he's gonna like ruin that movie for everybody (laughs) i feel bad saying that but like i don't want him to like tarnish the
0: name of the movie i guess if that if that makes sense yeah yeah all right a couple more stories um let's talk about this star wars this is really cool so we got obi-wan kenobi we're on the brink of that coming out right can't wait to see this Um, yes and um Hayden Christensen has watched all of Clone Wars and Rebels to prep for the role. Um <laughs> That's great. <laughs> that's so awesome. Um yeah. this is a quote from Hayden Christensen. They did a lot with those characters in those shows, and they did further explore and they and they did further explore the relationship. There was interesting stuff there to learn about, and that's all he said. But it just made me excited because you know, you know that when, like, whether you're DC or Marvel and you get signed on to play a character, they hand you a stack of comics with the script and say, read that. <laughs> we'll talk. <laughs> Hayden Christensen already was Anakin Skywalker, but it was before Clone Wars and Rebels existed. And now there's stuff going on. And. He's you know, he probably I I, I will, will. I'm willing to bet you anything. He didn't stop at Clone Wars and Rebels. I'll bet you he rewatched episodes one, two. Did the Clone Wars watch three and then watched Rebels understanding what he's getting into? Um, Yeah, just my thought. And I really do believe that. And it just makes me more excited for him uh, to be coming back.
1: No, that's that's just awesome to hear. And I just think like it's got to be so weird for him to be like. You know, I played this huge movie role that made me famous. And then years later, I'm going to come back and watch the animated series based on that role that played so many years ago. It's it's got to be a really weird experience, but it's cool that he's going gung ho into it. And it sounds like he's uh, enjoyed that experience as well, which is
0: awesome. All right. Now I'm going to go on a little bit of a rant because this drives me nuts. Uh, (laughs) is something I this is something I cannot understand why it's a thing. Um, OK, when C-3PO, when episode seven released and C-3PO had a red arm, the Internet freaked out and had to know why 3 po has a red arm. Yeah. OK, that's fine that you want to say that if you pay attention to the movie, 3 po has a red arm to show passage of time. It's been 30 years since we've seen the character. He's got a red arm. Why? Well, if you listen to the dialogue, he specifically says he's got to get his original arm put back on. So if I let my brain fill in the gaps a little bit, (laughs) I bet you he needed some maintenance on his arm. And they said, here, we'll give you this one for now while we fix this one. Right. And then at the end of the movie, he's got his regular arm back. Okay. That's all you need. Well, there was such an Internet outcry that the comic community felt they had to answer that and wrote an entire issue of the comic book explaining why Threepio has a red arm.
1: Yeah, I okay. remember hearing about
0: this back, uh, I, back then, but I cannot understand why that had to be a thing like why did people need that story being told? When Empire Strikes Back hit in 1980 and 3PO had a silver leg, no one was asking for an explanation. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, maybe they did, but not to that level. And I just, I don't get it. So this story hits the news. And I literally, like, I, I don't know, like, this is another thing I don't understand. The, the headline reads Star Wars finally explains the origin of Han Solo's and Greedo's beef. As I read the article, and I'm going to really paraphrase the article here. As I read the article, it talks about how when we first meet Han Solo, Greedo uh, confronts him in the bar, pulls a blaster. And we all know who shot first. But the question is, why did Greedo have a problem with Han? Okay. They wrote a comic book to fully explain why Greedo had to pull a blaster on Han at the bar. (laughs) This is a problem for me, because if you simply watch the scene, Rito was clearly hired by Jabba to go get Han Solo. (laughs) Right, right. And he pulled a blaster on him, because he's a bounty hunter, as like, I have a gun, you're coming with me. (laughs) And then Han shot him. I don't really think we need more than that, but they wrote an entire issue of a comic book explaining that Greedo and Han Solo had, like, animosity between each other. Well, they both run in the same circle, so there's a chance that they don't like each other, but I think the story behind that, in my opinion, is kind of irrelevant. Look, Star Wars is a world I always want more of. I just don't feel like those are the right more of stories. (laughs) Um, So I guess I just don't understand, like, (laughs) <laughs> there was enough on screen to explain why Greedo had a gun out. Why do we need more? <laughs> uh, right. But that's me. I don't know. I'm just. I it just it bugs me that that's a thing.
1: Like, I think when it it's one of those things where in Star Wars, like at least for me, like when I want more of, like I want to know more of like different corners of the universe, maybe different planets or lore or something. But I don't necessarily need to know like you said stuff that's pretty evident um yeah if it's you uh, know based on screen appearance yeah it's it's just kind of um it's not necessarily the more that you want (laughs) so (laughs) I definitely agree with you there it's just a it's a
0: really funny uh conundrum there I don't know (laughs) I I feel like some of that over explanation ruins a little bit of the mystery in a way like I didn't need it answered at all? Yeah, so, sometimes the best parts of movies are the stuff that's left
1: unsaid, and you, you know, heaven forbid you have to use your imagination a little bit here and there. And it, it's, <laughs> I mean it's not like I watched yet. that
0: scene, it's not like I watched the scene and thought to myself, what's going on there? No, it was very yeah. clear what was going on there, and I didn't need anything more. So, in the realm of me wanting more from the universe, maybe another story with Greedo is fine, but do I need to know why him and Han Solo have beef? Not really. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyway um all right so today um, wizards of the coast and Hasbro got together and um, talked about their upcoming stuff for dungeons and dragons they did a D&D direct um, presentation like kind of an online panel discussion convention like a online comic-con if you will for like it was like a half hour yeah. an- it was like a half an hour thing to show all the cool stuff coming in D&D in the near future. Um okay, nice. So obviously new books, new products, new game stuff, um some stuff that is a D&D fan I'm like, "Ooh, that's going to hurt my wallet." Um but at the same time, <laughs> um but at the same time, they did show, they did talk about the upcoming Dungeons and Dragons live action film. Um the one that Chris Pine's going to be in. Um, they gave it, they gave a release date. It'll be March of 2023, which is awesome. And then, um, the title of the film is Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves. Um, I like the title. Cool. They didn't show any footage. Uh, they actually had the two guys talking about it, had a screen behind them with like um, like an ocean scene with an island and a boat leading to it, and there was a castle on the island. I don't necessarily know if that means um if that what the if, if you know what I mean, that I don't know how that translates to if that's going to be in the movie or not. I just thought it was a teaser image for the film. Um, yeah, and then they showed they're like, and here's a quick sneak peek, and it was really like a video of the logo spinning with the eye of the dragon lighting up and then they show the title. So there was no footage shown, but they did <laughs> yeah. talk about how it's like cruising along. It was That's nice so to fun. know. It was nice to know that the guys behind it are players. And okay. in my personal opinion, there's other Dungeons and Dragons movies, but I don't, and I've never, I've only seen this one of them. I haven't seen, but I don't, know if they've really captured the feel of what it is very well right um and that's something that's always kind of i guess bugged me in a way because it's a hard medium to crack like something like legend of vox machina um knowing that dungeons and dragons is one thing but it's a segment of a campaign turned into an animated show so you don't need to know anything about Dungeons and Dragons to watch that and enjoy it for what it is Um, but I feel like with a live action film there's a medium where if it's not your characters why do you care and um I feel like there's a delicate balance where I almost feel like a Dungeons and Dragons movie has to be sort of meta in the same way the Lego movie was kind of meta, where you found out that it was a kid playing with his Legos. I feel like the D&D movie needs to be in a way kind of like that in terms of you still have players at the table, and it needs to be evident that you have players at the table. But that's just me maybe overthinking it. You know what I mean? I don't know. I don't know what the correct answer is. Um, I'm kind of excited for it because of, like, What, it you know, I mean, we're talking uh, Hugh Grant, Chris Pine, Michelle Rodriguez, uh, Renee Jean-Page, Sophia Wills, Jason Wong. Like, it's a big cast. It just makes me wonder, you know, um, it just makes me wonder the direction. And there wasn't enough in the little, like, press conference they held, if you will. So,
1: yeah, I feel like it's one of those things you could go, like, the meta— lego movie route you were just describing or i feel like the only other route you can take is like the vox machina route where you have it like have the movie start off in the in a tavern with this rowdy ragtag group of adventurers and kind of the the journey they go on but i feel like if you do take it that route you have to approach it as like a if you really want to capture the feel of dungeons and dragons you almost have to do it as like a action comedy if you will because like to me i feel like i don't know i feel like vox maybe i'm just comparing it too much to vox machina but i feel like they captured that spirit so well of like yeah we're playing dnd as friends and we're gonna do some serious cool stuff but at the same time we also want to just kind of screw around and <laughs> do yeah. a bunch of goofy like, stuff was, and like
0: vox machina was a serious story like a serious story, but there's definitely yeah. some lines of dialogue where it was very evident there were players at a table playing a game. <laughs> absolutely, <laughs> <You know>? absolutely. <laughs> um, I don't know. We'll see how that goes out, especially when a trailer finally drops. Okay, final piece of news, and then we'll talk about tonight's list. This is going to make you laugh. Jason Momoa, Aquaman himself, is going to star in a live-action adaptation of Minecraft. <laughs> Um, this, I don't, I don't know how to process that. I really don't. Um, I've played Minecraft. I think it's a cool game. I'm, I I have no problem with a Minecraft movie coming out because the Lego movie was awesome. Um, and it makes me think about that. The Sonic movie was really good. Like there's some, there's some adaptations work. I just, I don't know how this works. I can't see the movie that they clearly have in their head. This is the part that made me laugh more. Um. The movie will be based on uh, the video game Minecraft. It'll be dire- directed by Jared Hess, known for directing Napoleon Dynamite and Nacho Libre. Okay. Uh, awesome. <laughs> and the movie has been uh, in the works for years with Sean Levy and Rod uh, McCurney and Peter Solet. Um, yeah. Uh, so... <laughs> But uh, knowing that it's Napoleon directed by a guy who worked on Napoleon Dynamite and Nacho Libre made me laugh. But just the idea of a live action Minecraft, I just in my head, I can't see it right now. So <laughs> so um, everything, everything about this story makes me crack up because
1: knowing like Jason Momoa, like he kind of looks like this big, bulky, like long, be- long beard, long haired. Like he almost looks like a pirate or something. And in my, Minecraft, is it uh the Steve? Is that the main character yeah. who's, like, the most clean-cut-looking, like, regular dude <laughs> you can imagine? <laughs> so that disparity cracks me up. But also, like, knowing the director, it actually sounds like it's going to be a pretty fun movie because Jason Momoa is one of those guys that I feel like, knowing his real-life personality, I feel like he seems like he'd do really good in comedic roles. And I feel like he doesn't get that enough. And it sounds like they're going to have more of a comedic approach to this. And I think that could be a really funny experience watching, you know, Jason, Jason Momoa running around, freaking out because the creepers are chasing him or whatever. Uh, It sounds like it's going to be pretty fun, whatever this ends up actually
0: being, (laughs) if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, Well, how about this? Are you ready to talk about the list tonight? Yeah, let's go for it. That's it for the news. So, let's go ahead and roll the thing. And now for the top 5. Okay. Um, all right, man. This was your list. Yes. So why don't you uh, talk to us about talk talk us through your choice, and then we'll uh, go from there. Yeah. So
1: uh, last week we did our top five Bruce Willis films, and uh, of course you know that Die Hard is going to come up on that list. Um, I'm pretty sure it topped both of our lists last week. So uh, that was a really good conversation, but. I thought for this week, we could just talk about the uh, flip side of the diehard coin and take a look at Hans Gruber and just in general, talk about our top five favorite Alan Rickman films. Um, And this was a really fun list to put together. I felt I actually had a really a pretty easy time putting this list together because Alan Rickman's been in a lot of films and uh, I haven't I haven't necessarily seen a ton of stuff that he's in, but he's in some stuff that's just like some of my favorite movies of all time. And when it came down to it, it actually wasn't super difficult for me to put the list together. Um, I don't know how your experience was with this list
0: Drew. I didn't find it difficult to put the list together, but I did. I do believe we're going to match a lot. Probably. <laughs> um, but that's, that's just, I, I have a feeling we're going to match a chunk. Um, so I do have one honorable mention. Okay, I have two, so I could probably start. You. I guess. <laughs> um, first one.
1: Yeah, so my first one, um, I went with Love. Actually, um, we've talked about this movie a lot or a couple times on the podcast before, but it's a great, it's a great like movie about all sorts of different kinds of love. It's definitely a Christmas movie, like it's a great holiday film, but. The thing that I really enjoy about this movie is that, um, it shows a lot of different kinds of love. It's not just your typical romantic love that a lot of movies exploit. Like it's an ensemble film and all the different characters experience different, uh, kinds of love. And, um, uh, Alan Rickman, uh, his character in the movie, um, actually goes through a divorce and, uh, it's just kind of an interesting take on the whole love story thing. And, uh, no, this is, this is just a good film. I feel like if you haven't seen it, like definitely
0: watch it. But, uh, yeah, I don't have too much else to say about this one. Um, I really, really, really like love. Actually, it's an awesome film. I know we talked about it on our Christmas stuff. Uh, Alan Rickman in this movie, he's a phenomenal actor. His story is just hard to watch because it deals with the separation and that kind of
1: Yeah. Um,
0: and an affair and whatnot, but he's phenomenal in the movie in the whole. Um, no, this movie is fantastic. Um, but yeah. Okay. I'm surprised. I'm surprised it was an honorable mention for you, but that's okay. Oh, fair enough. Um, <laughs> so my one honorable mention, and then that'll get us back on track, um, is Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Okay. Um, I, um, I'm a big fan of the Douglas Adams book, uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Um, I felt like the movie um, needed to be a trilogy to really capture uh, the entirety of that universe and what the, what Douglas Adams was creating. But I, but I thought the movie did a pretty decent job of trying to stay faithful to the source material, if you will. Um, So, um, but yeah, Hitchhiker's Guide. It's just, I, Alan Rickman was great in it, but um, as a movie, I just, I really enjoyed it for what it was. So um, I feel like it's, um, in my opinion, a little underrated, but.
1: Yeah, I would absolutely agree with all that. I love this movie. Um, This is one that actually didn't make my list, but just barely, just because, like I said, Alan Rickman's in a lot of movies that I really, really love. But um, I think it's just Hitchhiker's Guide. Like, I think it's awesome, but I don't know if I've ever had that, like, sort of, like, I rewatch it all the time sort of experience with it. Um, But with that being said, I've actually really been wanting to – Rewatched this movie for a while now because it's been a while since I've watched it, so I'm definitely get, due for a rewatch of that. So cool. Uh, what's um, your final mention? Yeah, so my next one is uh, I actually went with Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, um, and this is a movie like I feel like most people know this movie, but you know it's Kevin Costner starring in a movie about Robin Hood, and uh, it actually feels and I don't know if it is like I don't have the historical knowledge to know if it is but I feel like it's it feels like it's more of a historically real version of Robin Hood than a lot of the versions that came before it and as a kid that always captured my imagination because it just felt so real and legit watching this movie Um, and I actually rewatched this movie like a year or two ago and uh, it's a really good time it actually was kind of a lot more of a it was a lot more action packed than I remember, than I remembered, which made for a really cool, fun watch. But uh, Alan Rickman in this movie, Sher- uh the sheriff of Nottingham. He is just an am- he's just amazing. He is uh, I don't know he Alan Rickman does such a good job as villains, and this is one of the first villains that I've uh, experienced him playing, and it was just I don't know he he is just so. Good at playing that dastardly, like love to hate him sort of role, and uh, he definitely
0: pulls that off amazingly in this film. Um, first off, if anyone heard a bang, I was fiddling with my phone while I was listening. Like when I say I was just fidgeting with it, and it I dropped it, so I apologize. <laughs> um, <laughs> I literally was just kind of like kind of like kind of turning it back and forth in my hand, and then dropped it while you were talking. So I apologize. Uh no no, I, this is kind of a bit of a match because Robin Hood was my first pick of the night. OK, uh, awesome. This I this is, in my opinion, the Robin Hood movie. Um, I've seen a lot of them. Um, the Russell Crowe one, I thought, got it was too real. It was too honest okay. and legitimate where this still had a little bit of fantasy to it. Like when you talk about the witch and, you know, stuff like that and the um, uh, and the Celts. Um, yeah, there's, there seemed to be a little more fantasy to it and it wasn't a hundred percent real cause Robin Hood's again, still a fairy tale. So yes, it was realistic. Yes, it was gritty and yes, it was, had some dark moments, but at the same time it felt a little fantasy and it, I, my opinion, it holds up probably better than any of the other Robin Hood movies and it, um, yeah, um, yeah. The action sequences are great. The sword fight sequence are great. Rickman is fantastic in this movie. Um, This is one of those things where you're just like, yeah, sweet. All right. We've got the villain from Die Hard. What's he got? And he just turns out this other (laughs) other killer performance. You know what I mean? So, um, but yeah, no, Robin Hood's, I, this, this is a great one. I have not watched it in a while, but it's been on TV here and there, like, and I've caught like segments of it and I'm like, God, this is a good movie. I need to watch the whole thing. (laughs)
1: Uh, (laughs) yeah it was on um it was on netflix a while back and i remember watching it and it was the first time watching this movie in years and it was one of those things where it felt it was actually better than i remembered it like i didn't remember how fun um and how good the characters were and just how good of a movie it was overall so
0: well what's your first pick then because we in a weird way match there so
1: yeah so uh Speaking of Johnny Depp, no, just kidding. Uh no, my actually my first pick is Sweeney Todd, the demon barber yeah. of Fleet Street. Um I'm I'm a fan of Sweeney Todd. Like I like the musical. Um I know I've heard a lot of people have different mixed feelings on it, but I think it's a really a really cool dark story. I love the sort of um dark, gritty, you know, old-timey London atmosphere. Like I feel like any kind of any movie that kind of Uh, takes advantage of that kind of atmosphere, I always eat up. But uh, uh, Alan Rickman in this movie plays Judge Turpin, who's basically this character who kind of ruined Sweeney Sweeney Todd's life and uh, kind of, you know, he's like, uh, kind of became the uh, father to uh, his daughter and stuff like that. And it's just like a really, again, this is Alan Rickman playing this really, really like, Good villain. And I mean good as as far as like you just hate this guy and you love to see, you know, Sweeney Todd is a revenge story and you love to see that revenge play out. But a big part of that is just how good Alan Rickman plays this role. So um, not only do I just like this movie a lot, like I said, I love the atmosphere, the story, the music is good. But Alan Rickman is definitely one of the pillars of this movie, because for a movie like this, you need to have that
0: really really solid villain in there so uh yeah. yeah yeah right on uh we did not match unfortunately um but no Sweeney Todd made my short list um I haven't seen this in a while um I almost like when I when I was scrolling through the Alan Rickman uh uh I guess you could say database I was like I forgot he was in the movie <laughs> um <laughs> right on. but yeah no this is a, this is a great one um, I'm going to actually throw this back to you pretty quickly because my next actual, my next pick was Love Actually.
1: Oh, awesome.
0: So like this, look, we've talked about it on a Christmas episode heavily. Um, this, it's, it's such a good movie and from beginning to end, I, I would probably feel like this is a little bit of a perfect film, if you will, just because of like how it's all put together. Um, but. Yeah, everyone should see this movie if you have not. And uh, Best Buy, if you're listening, Love Actually does exist. Um, it's a real movie. Um, I actually was told by a staff member at Love at Best Buy that Love Actually is not actually a movie because he couldn't find it in their database when I couldn't find it on the shelves. Um, <laughs>
1: see, I, was I, tr- think you... I was
0: having trouble finding Like, the, to buy the DVD, I was having trouble finding it. And I'm like, he's like, do you need help find anything? I'm like, yeah, I'm looking for a movie called Love Actually. I just can't find it anywhere. And he's like... Well, what kind of movie is it? I'm like, well, it's a romantic comedy, essentially, but it's also a Christmas film. So I'm just I'm just having trouble figuring out where it is. And he goes, well, let me look it up for you. And he looks it up in his computer and he goes, yeah, it's not in our database. Who's in it? And I was literally like uh, Alan Rickman, Karen Knightley, Hugh Grant. And I'm like listing off the cast. And he's like, he's like, no, it's not here. He's like, if it's not in our database, (laughs) it's not real. And I'm like, wow. And it's stuff like that as to why I don't shop at Best Buy anymore. Anyway.
1: Um. Well, I just, it's kind of weird. Like um, it all, it sounds like a weird Mandela effect uh, situation. Like was the door to that Best Buy, like a warp hole to a different timeline or something? I don't know, but it uh, <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> sounds maybe. really weird. Anyway. Um, okay. So moving into my next pick, um, this one's, I feel like is kind of a gimme that of course was going to make my list, but uh, I went with dogma. Um, yeah. This is, this is one of the when it comes to the Jay and Silent Bob movies. This is one of the best written movies in that uh universe. Like, I kind of feel like Dogma and Chasing Amy both kind of k- take the cake as far as just like really well written films that leave you thinking that you can actually kind of take knowledge away from the films and stuff like that. You know, they're not just really goofy comedies, but. It's kind of crazy that Alan Rickman is in a Jay and Silent Bob movie because he's such a well-renowned actor. But he plays the Metatron. He plays an (laughs) angel in this movie that uh, appears to the character Bethany. And he's, um, you know, there to help her on her uh, quest that takes place throughout the film. But uh, no, this is just this is just a really fun movie. Um, Kevin Smith has talked a lot about this movie that about how this movie, when you watch it, it plays out like a superhero film, but it's actually about, you know, regular people. And then you have like angels and demons and stuff in the film as well. But when you really think about it, a lot of the events do play out the same way that a superhero film would. Um, But uh, no, I just think Alan Rickman, this is uh, this is one of the movies that I've seen him in that makes me laugh the most with his portrayal. And uh, I don't know, it's just it's just a fun film overall. I feel like We've probably talked about this movie a decent ma- amount of times before, so I don't know what else to say about it now. But, uh,
0: exactly. yeah, Drew, any thoughts? Well, <laughs> and this is where remember how I said we're going to match a bunch and we're going through the list pretty quick is, yes, we match on Dogma. Oh,
1: awesome. Um, awesome.
0: And uh, I total, and that's the thing. I don't know what to say that you have not already. said. <laughs> um, the movie, you're right. This is probably one of Kevin Smith's strongest written films. Yeah. Um, and it's probably one of his best written. Um, and Alan Rickman's is not in the scene, but one of my favorite sequences in the movie is the beginning um, when Matt Damon is talking to the nun about her faith. And you don't know that he's an angel yet. And he basically is making her and he's screwing with her because he's making her question her faith in God. And then you find out he's one of the angels. And it's just I love that sequence. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you just don't like but then you get to like Rickman and he's the angel guiding Bethany along her journey and, you know and it's it's so smart and it's like you're taking like you take this like classically trained really amazing actor like Rickman and you give him this role that in a really weird way because of the subject matter and the way the movie plays out is like kind of absurd in the most beautiful way, but then he turns it into this just amazing performance. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You're with him the whole time. It's like you buy it. There's never a moment where he's not with the movie along with you. You know what I mean? So
1: that's a good point. Like he, like we've said, like he's an angel coming to uh, visit this person, but I, yeah, he's like this ridiculous. I don't want to say ridiculous, but you know, he's this very fantastical, if you will, sort of character, but you buy you buy it the whole time like he plays the most believable
0: character in that movie and he just pulled it off so well so yeah yeah Um, (laughs) all right so like i said we're matching a bunch tonight so i'm flipping it back to you uh dogma go ahead right okay so i was gonna actually save
1: this one a bit but since you are talking about these sort of classically trained actor approach. Um, I actually am going to go with uh, Galaxy Quest right now. Um, Alan Rickman in this movie plays uh, Alexander Dane, who's his actor's name, but he plays the character Dr. Lazarus on the Galaxy Quest TV show. Um, I feel like all our audience would know this movie, but if you don't, it's essentially like If the actors from Star Trek were actually sent into into space and had to actually engage in like an intergalactic war, that's essentially what this movie is. (laughs) It's amazing. Like everybody should see this if you haven't yet. Like, what are you doing with your life? But the reason I brought this up next is because you were talking about Dogma and how Alan Rickman is this classically trained actor who went into this Jay and Silent Bob, like, goofy comedy movie and did such an amazing job. And I feel like the character he plays in Galaxy Quest kind of is that same sort of idea. Like, he's this classically trained, like, really good actor who got pigeonholed as this alien character on this sort of uh, Star Trek-esque show. And that's kind of where his uh, his life's legacy went along. And the way that he portrays this character is so funny how he's so like annoyed and lethargic of the fact that he has to go to all these uh, conventions and stuff. And he definitely doesn't have any love for this character, but it's kind of what pays the bills and kind of what he's going to be remembered by. Um In a lot of ways, I feel like this is what Um, Patrick Stewart would be if he didn't like playing uh, Jean-Luc Picard but of course he does so he's not that but I just love that sort of uh I don't know his uh I'm trying to think of the right word but his like not wanting to embrace this role because uh because he kind of sees it beneath him. Like I always loved that aspect of his character, but overall, this is a great film. Um, Drew, I don't know if you have any thoughts on this one. I don't know if we matched here. Um, Um, Yeah,
0: we matched. Like I said, we're matching matching (laughs) a lot tonight. We're probably going to match, probably match on the final one, I believe based on the fact that it hasn't come up yet. But um, what the, here's the best part about, yes, the whole classic train classically trained thing. You're right. And I love the disdain the franchise. Yeah, yeah. He is very like I am done with this. Um, <laughs>
1: Absolutely, and I love it.
0: It's so it makes the character so much funnier because. But then he gets that love for the character back as the movie plays through. But here's the thing about Galaxy Quest: this is a movie for anyone who has ever loved a thing. Um, you don't have to be into Star Trek at all. You don't have to be into Star Wars. You have to what you have to do is watch this movie with that prism of. I'm a fan of this thing and I go to conventions and I buy the merchandise and I want to meet the actors and you have those experiences or you dream of having those experiences. And here you are watching a thing about all this stuff that you're like, I could totally see myself in those shoes like I am. That's me. As the fan going to the convention and meeting the actors and all that stuff. And then you get to watch the story about the actors finding out this fictional thing that they've been a part of all their lives is suddenly real. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) But I love that. that, But that's the thing. Like anyone who's liked a thing on any nerdy level should watch Galaxy Quest because it's so brilliantly meta in a way. Yeah. because they tackled that concept and you're just like, and I remember watching it, like you don't, like I said, you don't have to be into star Trek like stuff to appreciate what they were trying to do with that movie. Um, and it's just, it's just brilliant. So.
1: Absolutely. I also just listening to you talk, talk like kind of a final thought for me is just, I think, uh, galaxy quest was definitely a little bit ahead of its time. Uh, Actually, because I I, this movie came out at a time that nerd culture wasn't mainstream like it is nowadays. And it's pretty cool that it uh, it came out at that time. So,
0: yes, um, I will totally agree with you there that that's the case. So sweet.
1: Um so I guess I can move into my next pick mm-hmm. which um I'm pretty sure we actually didn't match on but I had to go with a Harry Potter movie um Alan oh, yeah, Rickman definitely did not <laughs> Alan Rickman uh plays Professor Severus Snape in the or Severus Snape excuse me uh in the Harry, Harry Potter movies and he does such an amazing job and uh Snape is a great character um he's somebody who plays he's this character who's always teetering on this um, this weird level of like, is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? You know, is he evil? Is he not? He seems evil. I'm pretty sure he's evil. But at the same time, he hasn't really done anything on paper that would make him actually seem that way. And uh, the actual Harry Potter movie that I went with is uh, the fifth film in the series, which is Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. And uh, the reason I went with this film is... This is not only is this a movie that came out. um, I looked I was looking at IMDb before the show, but this movie came out in 2007 and it brought me back into the Harry Potter fandom. Like it made me want to come back in and finish reading the books. You know, these are yeah. a series of books that I enjoyed reading as a kid and then I fell off at some point. And uh, this movie came out and I just thought it was that good that I had to go back and finish the series. But also like. I really strongly believe if you watch the fifth Harry Potter movie, the, uh, the way it's structured, the way it's executed, I just think it's, in my opinion, it's the best out of all eight of them. Like, I think it just, it's hard to explain because just you watch the movie and everything is, it plays out so right. And the pacing is so good. And you have, um, Dolores Umbridge, who's, who's the, uh, you know, Dumbledore had to step out as headmaster for this movie and Dolores Umbridge fills his place. And she is such a, you just hate this woman. Like she is such a good, like makeshift villain for that movie. And like, just your hatred of like how obnoxiously annoying she is, like really gets you into the story. And it's just a this is a, a great film overall. Um, so, yeah, I don't I don't know what else to say about this one, but this one had to make my list. So, uh, yeah, there you go.
0: Yeah, no, I get it. And I've talked about how I'm not when it comes to Harry Potter. I'm not a Harry Potter guy. So please don't <laughs> like listeners. Don't berate me for it. It's more of a am just I've never been a Harry Potter guy. I get it. I appreciate it. I totally understand why the fandom exists and why people are going to do it and stuff. It's just not my cup of tea. Um the Harry Potter movies I have seen, uh, Rickman's great. Um, so there's I, there's no complaints there as an actor. It's like you you got him in the role and you hired a phenomenal actor to play that character. So um, I'm with you. I just don't have anything to add to that one. So
1: <laughs> fair enough. <All> right. <laughs> but I also have said before you quit watching them right before like they start getting good. But that's always the case with them. I know. It, I know.
0: So. <laughs> and, oh yeah. And I've had people, I've had people like here that I've stopped watching. They're like, what made you stop? Like, I get that question on occasion. Like, why did you stop watching them? And I said, well, I watched the first, the first three movies are identical. And by the end of the third movie, I couldn't take it anymore. And they're like, and a friend of mine was like, they're not identical. And I'm like, okay, look, kid goes to school, (laughs) learns about a magic thing. Problem occurs. Uses his magic thing he learned at the at the beginning of the movie to deal with the problem, save the day, end of school year, goes home, re- rinse and repeat. That's the first three movies in their entirety. And I didn't feel like they, they didn't capture my imagination the way I was hoping they would have. I remember yeah. finishing the first one and I was like, I get it. I'm with you. OK, I get it. I see why people like this and then by the end of the third one I was like I can't take this anymore I just watched the same movie three times <laughs> um like right the, and it's it's also getting a little bit older but I'm literally watching the same movie three times in a row um, right and also you were outside of the demographic that the movie's aimed at yeah, and stuff yeah. so but look I, I don't I don't think Harry Potter is bad I'm just not a Harry Potter guy yeah you now that that's I, and I,
1: I, well I definitely can understand all of that um that that's the only thing i've said and I've said it before is just the next movie you know the fourth movie is the is the one that breaks that formula
0: so right. that's just so something I, to keep in mind I keep hearing that <laughs> <laughs> um but then again I feel like if I would have stopped at two they would have said that about three so I really don't um anyway yeah uh, fair enough Anyway, um, final pick of the night. Um, we talked about it a ton last week, and we're going to always talk about it, so I don't have a bigger view, but Die Hard. Yeah,
1: of course, we matched on this Okay. <laughs> and I don't even think Die Hard's my favorite on this list, but it's, of course, we're going to save it to the, to the end <laughs> to keep going with the trend of our podcast. But, uh, yeah, Die Hard. <laughs>
0: um, yeah, and, you know, it's... It's fantastic. It's such a good movie. And, you know, we're going to be talking about it a lot. So that's all I, you know. Yeah, we
1: just talked about this movie last episode, so I don't know what else to say. Um, Besides, like, this is an Alan Rickman list. Alan Rickman did such a good job as the villain in this movie. This is a villain who people shout out like all the time to this day, like people constantly talk about Hans Gruber and how memorable and good of a villain that was. So, yeah, I don't know what more to say. He just, uh, I don't know. I feel like for an American audience, like, and maybe I'm misspeaking, but I feel like he kind of really made his mark on like the American movie going audience with this movie, you know?
0: Yeah, he really did. Um, yeah. One of the best villains in, Film, in my opinion, is Hans Gruber. Um, All right, so let's. uh, You want to know what we're going to talk about next week? Yeah, we're going to talk about Die Hard. No, I'm kidding. Let's let let's get let's get away from a category that where we don't talk about Die Hard um, for a week. And uh, this one, I've this one in my back pocket for quite some time, and I feel like it's time to pull it out. Um, We're going to talk about our favorite, the top five favorite film documentaries okay um i hope you've seen enough documentaries to do it i know i have i just it's been sitting in my back pocket <laughs> for a long time so um nice yeah so documentaries we'll talk about that we'll talk about a little true story stuff um i definitely have some weird ones that i know i want to pull out and discuss but we'll see how the short list builds as i try and figure it out <laughs> <laughs> yeah um and, and it'll just it'll kind of open up a different conversation so yeah cool um all right, uh, another episode in the can, inching closer to that 200-episode milestone, which is just awesome. So, everybody, do us all a favor. Check out our website, top5report.com. There you'll find links to all of our social media, Twitter and Facebook, along with a link to our email, top 5 gmail.com. You can hit us up there. Hit us up on our social media. Either way works. We are on Google Play, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher. You can subscribe to us in those places. If you do, you will not miss a single episode. You can also leave us a review. We love those five stars, but we understand criticism because it helps us get better and it makes the words we say feel important. You can follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Drew3927, and I promise I will eventually get those Star Wars pictures up from the park. I just have been <laughs> Um Peter, what about you?
1: Uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter uh,
0: at NinjaPierre, and
1: that's where I'll be reminding you that the galaxy was on Orion's belt, but it is actually currently being held by a Starro minion in Hollow Earth.
0: <laughs> wow, there's a lot to unpack in that. Absolutely, <laughs> but I see the path you took, and that's what's um, All right, everyone, for the top five report, I'm Drew. I'm Peter, and thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you next week.